The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Hello and welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Ryland Stiles, and with me, as always, is Grant Tuttle. Grant, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm fine, Ryland. It's raining outside, and I, I always like a good thunderstorm, so that's that's fun. Um, the bad news is is that it's going to be raining for the next, like, week, so that's not as fun. Um, but, yeah, uh, it's always a good day to be a Chiefs fan. Yeah, I always like a good thunderstorm as well, and I'm in your same boat. It's going to be raining pretty much for the rest of the week and into next week here as well. Uh, but we are we do have a job to do despite the rain, and the first order of business is that Jamal Charles has signed a one-day contract to retire as a Kansas City Chief. And we, I think we all knew that whenever he did retire, he would retire as a Chief. Uh, but, you know, we, we've talked about him on this podcast before. Uh, a couple weeks ago, whenever there was a big stir about him possibly having a Hall of Fame candidacy. And, you know, we were a little bit differed on that. But do you have anything you want to say about Charles's career? I mean, obviously, he was a fan favorite. Obviously, he was one of the best Chiefs in our lifetime, you know, being, you know, millennials like we are. So do you have anything you want to say about Jamal Charles? I mean, I just want to say congratulations to him. I mean, like, um, I I would say he's arguably the best um, running back the Chiefs ever had. Um, and so I think that is that is amazing that he had a, a, an incredible career. Unfortunately, it was plagued with injury. Um, if not for injury, he might have been one of the best of all time. So um, I that that's pretty much the gist of it. Um, one of my favorite Chiefs of all time. So he'll be in the Ring of Honor soon. Yeah, he'll be there very very soon. Just like Tony Gonzalez was inducted last year, uh, he'll be up there relatively quickly. Um, yeah, you, you pretty much nailed it. You know, congratulations to him if he's ever going to listen to this podcast, which I doubt. A great career, both in college and professionally. And, you know, the only thing you can say is that what if he never gets hurt? Because other than that, his career has stood for itself. And it's been a very, very good career for Jamal Charles. Hat tip to him. But sadly, we've got to talk about a different career path. And that is the fact that Tyreek Hill, since we last spoke, has had reports come out and has had audio come out. Um, He's been suspended from all team activities, first off. He could end up on the exempt list, uh, but the audio recordings came out a day after we recorded uh, last week's show, so we did not get to talk about them, though by now you've probably heard every diatribe about these these awful, awful recordings. Um, You know, to kind of sum it up, he basically... uh, Whenever his child cries, he punches him in the chest, and he told his fiance, who he's already been convicted of of hitting whenever she was pregnant with this child, that he she needs to be terrified of him. Um, she probably is, by the way. So, not a good look. Not a good look at all. Um, the Chiefs, really, besides suspending him from team activities, don't really seem like they know what they're going to do just yet. They're probably going to wait this out uh, and see what comes next. You know, in this whole investigation. 
And then right before we hit record, which, I mean, this subject is kind of just all over the board right now, but right before we hit record, Carrington Harrison of 610 Sports Radio tweeted that there will be another report tonight on KCTV5, who also is credited for the the findings of the recordings and, and publishing those recordings uh, last week. So they have another report, and quote, it will... We will learn more tonight about the events that happened in the recent history of Tyreek Hill and Crystal's life, including the previously unpublished incident that likely pushed authorities to remove their son. So we'll find out a lot more details, it seems like, a lot more um, incriminating details, it seems like, tonight. You know, this topic is all over the place, and I'm not sure really what to do with this, because it's undeniably bad, it's undeniably awful, it's disgusting but what else what else can you say about this event it you know he's he's a great football player but he doesn't seem like the best human we knew about the red flags before he was drafted and now after keeping his nose clean for a couple years they've came back and you know that can't really be too surprising to anyone sometimes that these risks work out they've seemed to work out for Frank Clark with Seattle and now Kansas City doesn't seem like it's worked out for Tyreek Hill uh, it, it obviously has not worked out for Terry Kill. I'm not sure what else to say about this manner other than, of course, it's disgusting. It's dirty. It's just skin-crawlingly bad. And, you know, he shouldn't worry about playing football. He should worry about, you know, not going to jail, which he should be in jail. And, you know, Crystal's not out of the woods either in this situation, but obviously uh, the focus is on Tyreek Hill. Uh, do you have anything on this topic, Grant? Yeah, um, I just – there's uh, – there's this precedent in the NFL. Um, well, I should say there's a lack of a precedent where um, teams don't really have morals, and I, I find that somewhat disgusting. Um, where you see these guys that have done horrendous things get second chances, and I'm all for second chances. Everybody has redeeming qualities. Everybody has a chance uh, to make things right, in my opinion. Um, but when you have had a history of domestic violence. And now, uh, and, and you get a team to take a second chance on you. You have very little room to walk. You have very little room to breathe. If you go, if you happen to step a toe out of line, you should be done. Now that he has obviously stepped, he has run out of that line. He has not stepped a toe. He is his whole body is outside that line. Um, he needs to go, um, and I, I think that the. There's a question going on in Kansas City of why it's taking Kansas City so long to move on from him. Um, and uh, you and I have been texting back and forth uh, about this because we, we missed out on doing the podcast because the report, like you said, came out um, about a day or so after we recorded last time. Um, but I think that the reason that they're still holding on to him is they're hoping that the NFL will step in and take care of it for them. Um because they saw what happened with Kareem Hunt. They did the thing that was right with Kareem Hunt. They said immediately once they saw the video, obviously they weren't right completely because if they were right completely, they would have cut him right away. Um, but they believed Kareem Hunt at his word, um, didn't pursue the issue any further, and when they found out he lied, he got cut immediately. He was on the, uh, the exempt list for a little while, and before he was even given a an actual suspension, uh, John Dorsey and the Browns scooped him up. 
Now, I don't... I, I don't understand that line of thinking that you're going to go out and get a guy like that has that kind of that kind of problem. Like at least make him sit out a year. Like the, the NFL found a way to collude and say, "Hey, Colin Kaepernick is terrible. Let's all just not sign him." But when it comes to actual domestic abusers, they're they're so open to like giving guys second, third, fourth, fifth chances, and it, it's disgusting that the NFL has set this this kind of precedent rather than. Um, one that is respectful of women and of, of families, and um, honestly, that the, this this um, organiz- the, the organization uh, as a whole, the entire NFL, um, needs to feel ashamed of themselves for the way that they've handled these kind of things. Um, and so, really, that's all I have to say is that uh, the Chiefs are are hoping that they don't have to move on from Tyreek Hill and then see him play on another team against them. Um, and that that in and of itself is kind of wrong that you have to even worry about that. That's my whole point is you shouldn't – if there's somebody that's done such horrendous things, they, they shouldn't play again. The, the, the NFL should be held to a higher standard than to just keep taking people back like that. Um, and so the fact that Kansas City has to actually sit back and say, hey – uh, we just don't want him to end up with Cleveland or whoever uh, and play against us down the road. That is sad. That is unfortunate that this, that's the way that the NFL is working at this moment in time. Yeah, it, it is sad, but it's also right because, you know, the the Chiefs got no no sort of appreciation for their handling of, of Kareem Hunt, nor uh, did they deserve it because, again, I mean, they knew this happened uh, during the previous Super Bowl week and didn't do anything until December. So, I mean, it was clear that they were waiting for, for concrete evidence and that they took Kareem Hunt on his word and they were wrong. But the point being, they cut Kareem Hunt, which was objectively the right decision. They cut someone who, who committed a, a terrible crime. And instead of getting some sort of validation or some sort of reward or even just just nothing instead of just getting nothing now they're playing at a disadvantage because the Browns who are in their sim conference who have revamped their roster and could be a competitor to them picked up a very very talented football player and whenever we talk about Kareem Hunt we still talk about him as a chief I did it last week people have done it all week long after these recordings they lump him in with the Chiefs they have Kareem Hunt they have Terry Kill now Frank Clark I did that all last week, and so have many other people. No one's saying anything about the Browns right now having Kareem Hunt. So it's still, the the backlash, the negative connotation still falls on the Chiefs with Kareem Hunt. And that's what would happen with Tyreek Hill if they let him go. So I understand their reluctancy to release him, because at this very moment in time, if you release him, he's likely going to end up on an NFL roster. He's just too talented. If the NFL does not suspend him from the NFL for life or suspend him, you know, for five years, whenever then his speed will diminish and his athleticism will diminish. If they don't do that and he's not in jail, he's going to play football. That's the sad reality of this situation. Should he play football? I don't think so. I think even if you believe in second chances, this is now his third chance. And this time, you know, it's worse than anything. But from the Chiefs' standpoint, you you know I get why they're not releasing him, and I think that they're right not to release him because, like I said, even if they do release him, this will still be a part of their culture and their stigma. They'll still say that you know the Chiefs allowed Terry Kill, 
and Kareem Hunt and now traded for Frank Clark and all these guys who have bad reputations. So, I mean, I, I totally understand them not wanting to cut Kareem Hunt because the NFL just isn't fair in that way. Because, again, Kareem, excuse me, sorry, Kill. Because then Kareem Hunt is still on their rap sheet whenever you go through all the bad things that the Chiefs have done recently. No one says that the Browns, you know, are employing him right now. Now, maybe they will once he actually starts playing because he is suspended for eight games. Maybe they will, but that will last maybe a week, and then they'll, you know, get back to normalcy and get back to playing football. That'll be in the middle of actual football season, not the off season. So they'll they'll have different things to disguise it with. They'll have Odell, Baker, Mayfield, and then the rest of the NFL that's going on. They'll have the story of likely pushing for the postseason because the Browns took until December to get knocked out last year. You know, a couple field goals, and they're making a playoff push in the early season. So, I mean, they've skated out of here with a very good football player, while the Chiefs, again, don't have the good football player and still get the backlash publicly uh, and nationally uh, for his wrongdoings. So I totally get the Chiefs wanting to hold on to Tyreek Hill until they until they know for sure, both legally and from an NFL standpoint, what's going to happen. Yeah. The other I was just gonna go I ahead. was just gonna say real quick that um, that the, there there's a there's a fine difference too um, between these two cases. Hills is way more egregious, in my opinion. Um, his he's being investigated for a, for a crime. Uh, Kareem Hunt was pretty much uh, all charges dropped, everything out the window. This is this is worse, um, and it's I, I think that it's time that the NFL starts implementing rules um, to to penalize both teams where they're uh, where the player um, gets in trouble. So for instance, uh, it, uh, they should. They should should find the Chiefs maybe a draft pick, like say, hey, you don't get your fourth or fifth rounder. Uh, and then if a team goes out of their way to sign a player like Tyreek Hill, they should have to give up a draft pick as well, maybe even a higher one um, if they feel like it's absolutely worth it. That I feel like that is the best way to, to nip this, uh, is to say, like, um, you, you have, say the Browns want to do it. Well, if they want Tyreek Hill after he serves a suspension, they have to give up a second-round pick. Then they have to actually think: Is it actually worth it? Should we even trust that he's going to uh, to be an active member of society long enough uh, for us to um, benefit from this? And so I, I think that that's one way that you could really um, help help this stuff out. Yeah, Kareem Hunt was obvious. I mean, Tyreek Hill is obviously the worst case scenario of any of the recent things. You know, maybe even only rivaled by Greg Hardy, who allegedly threw a woman on a bed of guns and said, pick which one you want to die with. And he still played in the NFL for that, by the way. But Tyreek Hill is obviously way worse than Kareem Hunt's situation. Obviously. I mean, like I said, he's he's 1B at worst in terms of the worst situation the NFL has had to deal with to this point when it comes to domestic violence. So, you know, Kareem Hunt, I get having a second chance. My point was the fact that his second chance isn't coming in Kansas City where he'd be a valuable football player. The Chiefs, you know, took the right steps and said, hey, we're not going to foster a player who does this. And then the, the, not only did the Browns pick him up with no repercussions, the Chiefs still get the negative, you know, media mm-hmm. coverage of, of Kareem Hunt. Uh, so your point's a good one. I mean, I think that the MLB does that too as well, not, not for domestic violence, but for, you know, if a team loses a, a big-time free agent. So let's say Terry Kill had no issues, but he's a very good player and he wants to leave Kansas City. Uh, in the MLB, you can you can put a qualifying offer on him, and that'll attach a draft pick to him. So if you want to sign him away from his home team, 
you have to surrender a draft pick to compensate for that home team losing the player. This would be, you know, a step you could take for the Chiefs to kind of have have an insurance policy of, okay, we want to do the right thing in terms of morality. We want to do the right thing in cutting Tarek Hill and cutting Kareem Hunt. We also don't want to get screwed on the back end with, with a team in our conference or even in the league who you could potentially see in the Super Bowl taking our talent who we drafted and developed because you know despite this going wrong Tyreek Hill developed into a very good receiver Kansas City worked him and developed him into a elite number one wide receiver whenever everyone else saw him as a Tavon Austin as a gadget guy I mean that's just just throw away the moral thing for a second that's a lot of work to go down the drain from the offensive coaching staff standpoint so I mean you do lose a ton when cutting Tariq Hill, obviously none of that matters after after you know he told his, his girlfriend or fiance, excuse me, who he's already beat that she needs to be terrified of him. Whenever he broke his child's arm, which I think we can, you know, it's not definitive, it's alleged, but I mean, like like Crystal said in the recording, a three year old's not going to lie about who or how he broke his arm. I just don't believe a three year old has that capability to do that. So this situation is obviously messy. It's obviously sticky. The end result of this conversation being Tyreek Hill should not play football ever again. Yeah. But I, I, I think if it, he's not in jail, he will. I think the NFL has a longstanding problem with addressing these things. And, um, yeah, uh, it, it's unfortunate that we've had so much of it right here in Kansas City. Um, I uh, the, the Kareem Hunt thing was disappointing um, because what he did was also terrible. Um, and he got signed right away. And so, yeah, they, they have a right to be cautious. But, yeah, I would I would love to see him not play in the NFL again. He, he does not deserve a third chance after obviously not learning anything from the first one. Yeah, Tyreek Hill, you know, in my opinion, should not play in the NFL again. I know that you share that same sentiment. I'm sure there's a lot of fans who share that same sentiment. He should not play in the NFL again. Like I said at the top, he should be more worried about you know his legal career, his his legal standing, and not going to jail than playing football. However, I still support the Chiefs in them holding on to him. I know that I've seen not as many, but the few fans saying that you know why haven't they cut him yet? You know why aren't they doing this? Why aren't they doing that? They've been burned too many times by that. Just like they've been burned by Terry Kill, the NFL's burned them. So I get the, the Chiefs holding on to him seeing what the suspension will be, seeing what the legal situation will be, and then making their decision. There's really no harm in holding on to Tyreek Hill because, just like we saw at Cream Hunt, you still are going to get the backlash. You still are going to get the negative media coverage. You have to weather the storm no matter if he's on your team or not. So I understand from a football standpoint them holding on to him. It's a terrible situation. I hope he never plays in the NFL again. I, I love watching the football player Tyreek Hill. Uh, but I hope he never plays again. He doesn't deserve that. This is, you know, not a normal career path. This is a privilege. This is a, this is something that tons of people would like to do who, you know, not me because I don't really care about playing football, but someone, you know, who's literally worked their whole life to, to try to be good at football would love to take Terry Hill's place who doesn't have all this baggage. So I'm, I just don't think he should ever play football again. But the sad reality is if he's not in jail, there's a 99% chance he's going to play football again. So... If you're weighing your options and you're and you're and you're saying to yourself, you know, if he's going to play football again, why not be with the Chiefs? I understand that point of view. I wouldn't want him on the Chiefs, but I understand the Chiefs and any fan who shares that sentiment saying that because if he's going to play football, why not this extreme talent play with Mahomes and hit, you know in in Kansas City to try to win a championship? 
because that's their ultimate goal no matter what. Uh, but, yeah, he shouldn't play for the Chiefs. He shouldn't play in the NFL. We'll see what happens. We'll see tonight, again, Carrington Harrison, with the report that KCTV5 will have another you know investigation and report tonight on the local news at 6 p.m. Central Time. Uh, obviously, the show's not going to last until 6 p.m. We're recording this at uh, 3 o'clock, I think. Yeah, 3 o'clock. So, I mean, we're not going to go for three more hours. But, uh, yeah, we'll talk about it next week. We'll have it on Twitter. You'll see it. It's just a, a bad situation. The only other thing on this topic I want to talk about was the amount of Chiefs fans who were outraged that they bought Tyreek Hill jerseys and wanted them to be you know, bought back by the Chiefs, exchanged by the Chiefs. What did you think you were getting? I, I, I can understand it with, with Kareem Hunt, who, who never had any baggage entering his career, and then all of a sudden out of the blue did that. You bought that jersey understanding the fact that he was already convicted of domestic violence of his pregnant girlfriend. Did what, what did you expect? This can't be a surprise to anyone. It can be a heartbreaking story. It can be a disgusting story. The one thing this story cannot be is surprising. Yeah. It's sad, not surprising. So whenever you say that you want a refund for your Tyreek Hill jersey, your Tyreek Hill signed football, when you bought that, you didn't think about this? You, I would... While I applaud him when he scores a touchdown, I will be the first one to admit I cheer when he scores a touchdown because that's the Chiefs scoring a touchdown. I would never buy a Tyreek Hill jersey. And if I did, I would not be able to, to with a straight face, say that I demand my money back because this happened. Knowing whenever I made that investment into a jersey that it was with a guy who has this baggage already. This cannot be surprising to anyone. Well, I, I think another thing that is, so I, I think the whole idea of buying back jerseys, um, that might be great if it happens within like, you know, a month or two of when you bought it. That would suck. But like the the idea that you're going to buy an NFL jersey and when that player departs from the team, then they owe you something is just silly. Um, in the NFL, there's one constant player that's, if they're really good, they'll stay throughout their entire career no matter what, and that's quarterback. Um, buy a Patrick Mahomes jersey. He's not going anywhere. He's going to be here for the next 15 years. <laughs> like, if you want to have a safe bet on a jersey, go ahead and get a guy like that. He's not going anywhere. But if you're, if you're, if you're getting any, any other position group, any of them, you you run that risk of losing that that money on the jersey anyway. Think about Ter- Terrell Suggs. He was with Baltimore for eight thousand years, and just this last year he went to he went to Arizona. Like nothing is concrete, nothing. So if you're getting a jersey, get a quarterback jersey, or get hell, get an offensive line jersey, uh, because those guys <laughs> are the ones that stay longer. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much what I got. Also, you could just not get a jersey. I mean, I, I'm not a big jersey guy. I know there's a lot of people who are. I mean, jerseys. I, if you're a kid, I get it. I, I understand kids wearing jerseys. I'm a grown man. I'm not wearing another man's jersey. But anyway. I do. Let's talk about more fun things, more encouraging things. Let's talk about the future. The Chiefs NFL draft. It was your Super Bowl week. The Super Bowl for Grant Tuttle happened Thursday through Saturday. And the Chiefs. Had an interesting draft class. A draft class in which Grant Tuttle said, quote, I don't hate, which I guess is better than actually hating it. <laughs> so. I said that after their first the pick. first couple picks. 
Yes, that, that's true. I should have thrown that qualifier in. It was the first couple picks. He said he didn't hate it. I believe it was just after Friday. So, their first pick, a wide receiver out of Georgia, Miko Hardman. I really like Hardman. I think that, you know, he, he can be a, I mean, I will trust... I would trust Andy Reid and Mahomes to make any wide receiver look good. I've said that since this podcast began a couple months ago. I have full faith in them. I have full faith in the scheme for Andy Reid and the arm talent of Mahomes. But watching this guy's highlights and watching his speed, his athleticism, I am really excited for Hardman, but I'm interested to see what you think as someone who covers the NFL draft year-round. I mean, I'm sure you already have 16 2020 mock drafts. <laughs> I haven't got there yet. I really haven't. Uh, so I, any questions about next year's draft, I, I'm still on my little break, my little week break before I look ahead to the 2020 draft. But, um, yeah, so Mecole Hardman, is a, he's kind of a raw player. Uh, he, he's only been playing wide receiver for, like, I think two years or one. Uh, he was a defensive back. Yeah, two years. He started his first year at cornerback yeah. and then switched over. Yeah. So I – which I mean, the Chiefs also need a cornerback. So what are you gonna do? <laughs> well, he's a he's a fine player. Um, I, I think that um, the thing that, the reason they got him was obviously because of his speed and his burst. Uh, his burst is is very very good. Uh, now nothing can replace Tyreek Hill because he had the best burst of anybody I'd ever seen. Um, but he has top notch burst, and that is why Brett Veach decided to trade up for him. Um, the, the, uh, reportedly the Jets were going to take him and the Chiefs traded one pick in front of him uh, in front of that team to take Michael Hardman uh, so there was an actual interest league wide in Hardman uh, he's a guy that can stretch the field he's got very good um, deep threat ability um, now I think that it's going to take a little bit to um, develop him I don't think uh, you're going to have a, a great receiver right off the bat. He takes too many extra steps. He uh, doesn't use his body um, perfectly. But what he does do well is that he, because he's a defensive back before, he recognizes coverages very well, and so he can find the holes in them. Uh, and you don't get that good look at him uh, when, because he played at Georgia. Georgia is that school where they just they pound you to the dirt with the run game. But um, Hardman, he's an interesting player. Not the guy I would have taken there. I would have taken DK Metcalf, which we'll talk about later. Um, but uh, he apparently wasn't as interesting as Hardman to a lot of uh, teams. So I, I don't hate the pick of Hardman, um, but I don't think he will have the immediate impact that maybe another uh, player that they could have gotten had. But, I again, I don't hate it. I, I think that I gave it a C-plus um, C plus overall grade because he's he's just a little bit too raw for the uh, first year. I would have taken Hakeem Butler, but like I said, I trust Andy Reid. I trust Mahomes. I think that this pick, you know, will pay dividends in the future. And just like we mentioned, you know, in our Terry Kill diatribe, that you know the Chiefs did grow him into something that he was not when he first entered the league. I think they can do that same thing with Hardman and and make him a very very good wide receiver. So, moving on now to their second pick, Jawan Thurnhill, a safety from Virginia. And this is a guy who, when they picked him, I was like, huh, never heard of him. <laughs> and then I went and I read about him and I, you know, watched some of his games and, you know, just, I mean, I'm not kidding you. He, he made my jaw drop on a few plays. It's just something you're not used to seeing 
in a, in a secondary player, especially in Kansas City. So I was very excited about this pick, uh, so much so that I, I in my mind picked him as my my all star that I was going to have you know throughout training camp in the preseason because as we mentioned every show. You and I both watch all the preseason games, and there's always that one guy who you absolutely love during the preseason, and he's my early candidate for the guy I'm going to love this preseason because he is fun to watch. Yeah, so Juan Thornhill, uh, I, I believe, will be uh, starting alongside Honey Badger on uh, day one, and I, I think that's that's a great reason for everybody to be optimistic about that pick. Um, the reason they like him so much is they keep reiterating that he's a free safety player, um, and he, he was all over the place at Virginia. Um, but as a free safety, he is a ball hawk. He was a quarterback in high school, and so he he knows, he knows how to read quarterbacks because he was one. Uh, he was, I listened to an interview of him talking about it. But uh, he the, the reason that he is so good um, is because he... Um, he is so versatile, and I think that Steve Spagnuolo values that. Um, I, I think that he can. He played cornerback before he played safety, so he can play some man coverage. Uh, he he played a little bit in the box at Virginia. He played some free safety. Uh, he did everything well. He he created a bunch of uh, turnovers. He knocked a lot of passes away. Uh, he's going to be an immediate impact kind of guy, and I'm looking forward to watching him adapt to the NFL. Uh, I think that he is he might be a um, game changer for the Chiefs uh, in year one, which is which is what you're hoping for uh, when you're in a Super Bowl window. So um, yeah, Juan Thornhill is um, he's he's talented. Uh, I, I think that um, if, if we're looking strictly at if they've improved in the at uh, at safety, uh, you can't look at any other way to, than to say then that yes they they've gotten tremendously better at safety, um, partly because they're they're healthy and Eric Berry's not just day to day, but also uh, it's because of guys like Thornhill who who can uh, make game changing plays uh, and Honey Badger who can do a little bit of everything very very well. Except if you ask Keen Allen, he said that this that they. The Chargers just look at that secondary room and laugh whenever they think about the Chiefs' adjustments this offseason. Uh, I think he's in for a rude awakening because they have made adjustments in their secondary, and also a good front seven can make up for any secondary holes that you may have, I think. Uh, while we're talking about the draft class, if you're interested, the Chiefs' rookie minicamp will be May 4th through May 6th, if you're interested in the minicamps. You know, it's... it's I'm sure there's going to be a ton of media out there for minicamp because the Royals are just terrible. And there's also more full-time Chiefs coverage than there has ever been in the history of the Chiefs right now. Uh, with, you know, just, of course, you all know the names of, of who covers the Chiefs. So, I mean, I think this year that'll actually mean something, the minicamp dates. Usually it's really nothing. But just with the sure amount of people who will be out there covering it, taking videos, taking clips, getting interviews, it could be something fun to monitor. And again, that'll be May 4th through May 6th. There, the Chiefs' third pick was Kalen Sanders and a defensive lineman from Western Illinois. And whenever I saw them pick this guy, now again, you, you're you plugged in on the draft more than I am. But when I first saw this pick, I just kind of thought it was a little bit of a reach, but I could be wrong because, again, you're more plugged in than I am. 
I just didn't. I just didn't think that they had to take him here. What did you think about the pick with Sanders? Uh, I love the pick of Colin Saunders. He's actually, if we're talking strictly upside, uh, he is my favorite pick in the draft uh, for the Chiefs. Now Thornhill has more immediate impact, but Saunders is a guy that, if all things go right, you have another Chris Jones. Uh, he is he is very athletic. He's a three hundred twenty pound man who can do backflips. I'm sure everybody's seen that by now. But the the guy is, he's quick. He moves faster than he should be able to move at that weight. Um, now, now the, the thing is going to be uh, whether he can um, play at the next level after playing at Western Illinois. Uh, we don't know. We don't know how he's going to adapt to the NFL. And so that's a, that's a question, but his upside is incredible. Um, I think that he will he'll be an impact player too. I think he'll be in the rotation and Chiefs fans should be absolutely thrilled with what Brett Veach has done with the the front four. Uh, I mean adding Frank Clark, uh, he's very Frank Clark's super talented. You add um, depth at defensive end and um, now with the defensive tackles, uh, Colin Saunders and uh, Derek Naughty, Xavier Williams are all going to be. Uh, in a rotation, um, and they'll they'll rotate in, and maybe Chris Jones will get a few plays off here and there. So, yeah, I, I love this pick. I think that he provides great um, pass rushing ability. He has um, he's a decent anchor. Uh, he's he's not as good a run stopper as he is a pass rusher. Um, so it'll be a little bit of something to develop. But uh, with Brent, Brendan Daly. Uh, from the Patriots and them running a bunch of stunts, I, I think they can manufacture pressure, and he will be a huge part of that. Yeah, and you know, my initial reaction was the fact that it was a reach, but you know, seeing the backflips, which I love personality on football teams, and then also reading Seth Kaiser, Seth Kaiser's film review uh, of of Saunders that got me really excited, and the fact that the Chiefs, you know, first first off, I think that he has way more upside potential. Than Speaks and Passanio did at their at their draft last year, so that's already encouraging that they're they're taking a shot and that I truly believe that he can like you do develop into a quality starter in the NFL at minimum, and the fact that the Chiefs do not need him to step up right away, he's going to play this year I think, but I don't think he's going to play a key key role unless he's ready. They have the luxury of not thrusting him into the fire. Uh, and relying on him too heavily whenever he's not ready, so he can grow, he can develop, and again, that's a huge jump. That's not, that, you know, Western Illinois is not like going from Alabama to playing in the NFL, which is a little bit more comparable. That's a huge jump in talent level who you're playing against, and you've got to get mentally and physically ready for that. Uh, so I'm glad the Chiefs do not need to just throw him out and let him sink or swim this year. Another pick that they made was Rashad Fenton, the cornerback from South Carolina. You know, this pick was fine. I mean, I, I like him. I like him as a prospect, but I really like Mark Fields, who they brought in as an undrafted free agent even more than him. Uh, but again, uh, I'll, I'll give the floor to you. What do you think about this draft pick? I don't really understand this one. Um, to be honest, I I did not think they would go with Fenton. He did not seem like – he was not even a guy that was on my radar. As I thought he was an undrafted free agent kind of guy. He was – he's fast. He's got he, – he's um, – He's got decent traits, but he did not ever. It looked like every time that a uh, he got given a double move, he would just get lost. He was just buried. Um, 
and that's kind of interesting to me that the Chiefs went with Fenton. They must see something, or Dave Tobe loves him in, as a special teams guy. That's possible. Um, I just didn't really love his film um, as a as a corner, so I don't really know what the the idea was behind that pick. Um, I definitely liked the next pick a lot more. Um, I I think that the, actually the other two picks were better than this one. Yeah, and the first one being Darwin Thompson, the running back from Utah State. You know, yeah, I mean, I, I really like Thompson's you know tape. I really liked watching him play running back. Uh, I mean, a, again, this is another position where I just trust Andy Reid to make the right decision with his offensive scheme. And so, you know, if, if they believe in Thompson, that's all well and good to me. Yeah, uh, what was interesting with Thompson is that Brett Beach said that he wanted to trade up for him. He was nervous he wasn't going to be on the board when the Chiefs picked. So that gives you an idea that they really did like him um and so a player comp that's been being thrown around has been um has been Tariq Cohen is one of them and the other one I've heard is um Dion Lewis and so if you're getting a guy like that to add to the Chiefs um running back room look out I mean that's that's a that's changes a lot of things they don't have to just um match up against these these big strong uh power backs with a guy like um, Thompson, who is pretty strong, but also athletic and fast, and um, he runs like he he runs like he's covered in in some kind of oil that nobody can can really get a good hold on him, uh, and that's that's really that's really fun to watch. Uh, again, he played at Utah State, so we'll see what he can do against um, bigger and better talent, um, but. Yeah, his tape is really fun to watch, and I, I'm sure that he'll be the camp darling. Everybody will be excited after watching um, his tape for uh, hours because there's nothing better to do during the summer uh, in the off season. So, uh, yeah, he's going to be. Fun. At least not for us. Yeah. So, I'm gonna. And their final pick of the NFL draft was a guy whose name I'm going to surely butcher. Nick. Nick Allegretti. Ah, that was so bad. Okay. Nick Allegretti. Anyway. I don't know about him. Despite not knowing how to say his last name. I didn't know anything about I him. I really like this pick. I, I didn't like it. I, I didn't like him. I didn't know anything about him coming into the draft at all. Whenever the, whenever yeah. they read his name off, I literally just said, what? I didn't know who he was. But then uh, I did the responsible thing and did research, and then I ended up really liking him. Yeah, well, if you have the PFF draft guide and... Uh, follow PFF stuff. Um, what they basically said about Allegretti was that he is a very good pass protector, um, which is interesting because the Chiefs obviously are going to throw the football a lot when you have the MVP quarterback. Um, so that's he must have a good anchor. I haven't been able to really watch any film. I haven't really looked either, so I, I can't really say that I um, can't because I might be able to access some. But um, my understanding is that he's a much better pass blocker than a run blocker and that he has a nasty streak. So um, that's always fun to see. Um, the, the area scout that, that uh, covered him said that uh, it's not always fun to watch offensive linemen, but it's fun to watch him. So it must be a thing where he really loves throwing people around. So that's kind of fun. But, um, yeah, that's all I really got on Nick Allegretti. And then running through the undrafted free agents, so I'm going to run through all of them, and then we can discuss which ones we like or don't like or don't care about. Uh, the first one they brought in was Kyle Schumer, the quarterback from Vanderbilt. Hot seat, Patrick Mahomes. 
Uh, another one was Mark Fields, a cornerback from Clemson, Gary Johnson, linebacker from Texas, Cody Thompson, wide receiver from Toledo, James Williams, a running back from Washington State, and Jamal Kurtzey, a, a wide receiver from Syracuse. Now, the guys I really like on this list are Mark Fields, a cornerback from Clemson. Like I said, I would have picked him over uh, Fenton. I think he's going to make the team. I think he's going to be a really good player. And I'm interested in Gary Johnson, watching him a lot in the Big 12, his speed at linebacker. I really like Gary Johnson. I'm not sure if he'll make the team, but I really think it's going to be interesting to watch him throughout training camp and the preseason. Yeah. um, Obviously, this is not all of the undrafted free agents. There's like 20 of them. But um, these are ones that I thought were interesting. Um, I I think that you're going to – the reason we need to keep an eye on some of these guys, uh, uh, Jamal Custis, I think that's how you say his name, from Syracuse, is like a 6'4 guy, and he had one big year where he – just this last year he broke out and had a, a huge season. Um, I think that he – what was that? He had like 94 – what was it? Or he had 906 yards receiving in a 51 catch season with six touchdowns, uh, and with a six four frame, that's really fun. Um, so it'll be interesting to keep an eye on him. Uh, the reason I thought that it was important that we highlight um, Kyle Shermer is I've watched some of his tape. He's not bad. Uh, he doesn't have great arm talent. Um, he he reminds me of a very poor man's Alex Smith. Uh, he, he can process information very well. And so I thought that would probably be attractive to Andy Reid. But if we're going for sheer upside, Chase Litton is probably still the better option. Um, but, yeah, that, he, he's a guy that uh, is interesting that they decided to bring him in. Now, uh, Mark Fields is my favorite of the additions. I actually had a fourth-round grade on him, or I think it was, it was a fourth or fifth-round grade because I didn't have a ton of tape. He didn't have a lot to go off of, but... In limited action, he really, really played well. Uh, he In the national championship game, he um, shut down uh, one of the best receiving cores in college football. Or not single-handedly, obviously, but um, at least part of that. So I, I like Fields. I think he'll make the roster as it stands right now if there's no further additions. Um, so moving on to Gary Johnson... Uh, from Texas, I thought he was interesting because of his athletic profile. He's very fast, um, and if you watch Texas tape, he pops up everywhere. He's not always the one making the tackles, but he's he's always around the ball carrier, and that's just because he's blazing fast. One thing that I don't like about Johnson is that he struggles to change direction. He doesn't have a great plant or anything like that, um, so that's that's something that to keep an eye on because he could be like a Ben Neiman. People love Ben Neiman. Uh, last preseason he could be that guy he could pop up um Cody Thompson I don't know if he has a shot to make the roster a lot of people are really high on him he's a he's a guy that he he cuts really well he has he has very good quick feet I just don't think that he's fast enough to translate um we'll see he might be he he might just be that possession guy that the Chiefs could use as a you know sixth option or whatever be a practice squad candidate um, but James Williams is the other guy. So this is going to be an interesting discussion as we get into the offseason further and further. Um, what running backs are going to be left on this roster? Because there are so many to choose from. I really like James Williams. Um, I saw a highlight uh, that I thought originally was Darwin Thompson. And then they corrected me and said, no, that's not Darwin Thompson. That's James Williams. And I went, what? Because they, they both are very difficult to bring down. Uh, I saw I saw one where Williams was literally just 
covered and in linebackers and just dragging him down the field and broke free for a touchdown after he made four or five people miss tackles. Uh, so it's going to be an interesting offseason to see who um, makes this roster at running back and who's a practice squad guy. Um, if you're if you're looking out for that, a lot of people think that Carlos Hyde is gone, but I would argue Daryl Williams is probably gone. But people, people for some reason, love Daryl Williams, even though he hasn't really given us enough to say this guy is, um, <laughs> is a for-sure deal. So... Uh, I'll probably hear it in my mentions at some point. But that's what I've got. And that was your entire Chiefs draft class. If you want to look at the full list of undrafted free agents, Matt Connor of ArrowheadAddict.com has them posted, and he's updating them as as they come in. Although I think that the list is for sure set now. Uh, and then, you know, so that's the Chiefs draft. Real quick, we can touch on another bright spot after getting – really inside football for the draft and then the the dark cloud over the Chiefs earlier. The Kansas City Chiefs have the Madden cover athlete. Patrick Mahomes will be on the cover of Madden. Oh, he'll have a, his own game mode as well called QB1, face of the franchise. That's pretty exciting. Are you a, are you a big Madden I guy? I love Madden. I am nervous as heck. I am a little bit superstitious. Uh, look at Antonio Brown. He was on the cover last year. Everything went to heck. Look at Tom Brady. He is on the cover two years okay, ago. Okay, yeah, that's true. I guess that's true. But <laughs> Odell Beckham. I mean, but there's been a lot. Like, think think back. Like, Peyton Hillis. That guy's career was ruined as soon as he was on that cover. The, like, Okay, we can all agree he did not deserve a cover okay, of Madden. He I mean, so seriously, good. one good year. He was so cool. good for one year. And then he got went on the Madden, Madden cover, and it was all over. Coincidence? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I'm putting on my tinfoil hat. Also, the Madden cover from Mahomes is just sick. I mean, his flex is... Um, that's just a... I don't know, man. i tell you what. No. I'm usually a digital download guy. I'm probably going to have to get the, the physical copy of Madden this year just to have that cover. I mean... Whoa, do you have PlayStation That's Plus? special. I do. We should totally play. Okay, never mind. we got to keep going. But, yeah, we should do that sometime. <laughs> Yeah, we'll we'll text that. I mean, and then we'll come back and tell the audience who won the game of Madden. Uh, you know, once we actually do play. Uh, but so I just wanted to talk about that. I mean, there's not much you can give details to because this is not a Madden or esports podcast. But the game does look improved this year. I mean, and of course it's Mahomes. I mean, I would even get it like as stupid as it sounds. If you're a huge Mahomes fan, a huge Chiefs fan. If you go into GameStop or a game store in, like, June of the next year after this Madden comes out, you could get the game for, like, three bucks and just have the the cover, you know, the, the, the copy of it, just to say that, you know, you had it if you wanted to. It might sound stupid to most people, but, hey, if you like Mahomes that much, go ahead. Or you can just print off the cover and, like, put it inside of a DVD case and act like you have it. But anyway, now let's talk about the Chiefs again. Let's get back on track with the Chiefs football. What do the Chiefs need post the NFL draft? We've seen what holes that they've kind of checked off, and now there's still some holes lingering. My biggest one is cornerback because, again, I trust Mahomes and Andy Reid at wide receiver. Yes, they can still bring in Pierre Garçon and Michael Crabtree. I would love those additions for sure. Uh, And whoever else may get cut because it's the NFL. That happens every year. A surprise veteran is going to be on the market, you know, post-training camp, post-preseason who you're not expecting, and you can bring him in. I would I would love a wide receiver, but my biggest thing would be cornerback, whether it be trading 
or again the veteran market the veteran cut market I think that you agree there yeah um, I, I think it's interesting that Brett Veach has been open about uh, pretty much saying that they're not really satisfied they're not done um, so that will be interesting they I'm they have so much cap space and in the Frank um, Clark contract they left it so open-ended at the uh, he's only making like eight hundred and fifty-seven thousand for the first year of the contract. It's something ridiculously small like that, mm-hmm. um, and so that gives you gives me pause that they're probably going to add some more talent. Um, where that's going to be exactly, I'm not sure. I would say that in tier one, uh, I have wide receiver and cornerback being the two biggest needs, and then in tier two, there's we could use some depth in at linebacker. Um, we definitely need a tight end number two and. You can never have too many good offensive linemen. So that's kind of how I view it. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that at wide receiver, there are several options out there still, surprisingly. Uh, Crabtree, Michael Crabtree is a uh, – I've had some heck from people on Twitter saying that Michael Crabtree is just not worth it because he's old and slow. Um, but he played for the Raiders and he played for the <laughs> Ravens. Two teams that are arguably the worst two wide receivers in the NFL. Um, I think he's worth a Which shot. Which is why I'm so depressed that the Ravens drafted Hollywood Brown. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm... I was in mourning whenever they did that. It's pretty sad. I, I, I mean, it's interesting. They want to get really fast, and I think that that's a, that's a good strategy. I just don't think that their running back quarterback can throw the ball that far down the field. So... Um, Maybe it'll work. Maybe Lamar Jackson will turn into some kind of all-star Michael Vick type quarterback. But I just, at this moment in time, I just see him as a, uh, as a guy who can run with the ball in his hands a couple times. But um, yeah, so Crabtree would be at the top of my list for guys that are currently out there. Garcon is a, another guy that's uh, has been. He's been good before. I don't know if he's good anymore. I love Pierre Garcon. Yeah, in his prime, he was. Very good when he was with Peyton Manning and all that stuff. But uh, and even over he was in Washington, I mean, he was a very, very valuable third down guy. You could always count on him with his sure hands to make the grab. And he bailed out Kirk Cousins a ton in Washington. And that kind of security blanket, I think, could still be good in Kansas City. As you know, as in this year, it could still be good. It's obviously up to his body though, and and how how recovered he is, and and how just fresh he is because he is getting way up there in age. I mean, this is a guy who's played with Peyton Manning in his prime. So in Peyton Manning's prime as well as his prime. So, I mean, clearly father time's not on his side, but it's an interesting flyer to take. It was interesting to see you list him uh, on our outline. Cause I really like Pierre. Yeah, and there's also a couple other guys out there too, that I didn't even mention, but um, we don't have a lot of time, but um, quickly Des Bryant is still out there. I, I know that he tore his Achilles and, uh, he might have issues in the locker room and what for whatever else, but a couple of years yeah, ago, the Chiefs are a team to be worried about locker room issues. Yeah, but a couple of years ago, that guy was one of the best receivers in football. So I mean, these are all guys you could take a flyer on. You could sign to the vet minimum if they're not getting if they're not getting offers. Um, and I would be all for that kind of thing. Um, but moving on to the other um, issue is the cornerbacks um Patrick Peterson is maybe on the block maybe not on the block nobody's really sure Chris Harris 
like a game of chicken. <laughs> Chris Harris might be on the block. Um, so there's some corners out there. Uh, my theory at this moment in time is that Brett Veach is waiting to see whether um, a guy like Janoris Jenkins from the Giants gets cut or uh, or a guy like, um, oh, what's his face from Minnesota? Xavier Rhodes? Yeah, Xavier Rhodes. Not get cut. Yeah, but. If, if Xavier Rhodes gets cut or, or um, something to that effect. Um, and if not, I think that we're going to see him make a move because he was he was he was clear about they tried to draft a corner in the second round, um, but they didn't that didn't end up falling their their way. So I think that they're probably still looking at corner. If they were looking then, they they obviously didn't fulfill the need. Um, so I I'm interested to see what they do um if john elway is like hey here's chris harris what, what will you give us for him i think the Chiefs should jump on it and it would be hilarious if elway was that arrogant to trade within the division um i wouldn't put it past him me neither i really wouldn't um so that's that's the whole thing with with that um and we'll we'll be talking about that for weeks until the chiefs actually do something at those positions so um We'll move into AFC West storylines. So, yeah, the the West had an interesting draft, I would say. I mean, the first being Drew Locke, which I mean, Drew Locke, please. We'll get into that in a little bit. Drew Locke was a Bronco in round two. Uh, the Broncos had a pretty solid draft. The Raiders raided this thing up, and then the, the Chargers pretty well nailed, nailed their draft, as you put it on the outline. You know, the, the Broncos had a very good draft, I think. I mean... I like their draft and all, but this Drew Locke, I mean, get over yourself. I'm so, I was upset with the Chiefs that they drafted Mahomes. Oh, give me a break. <laughs> I mean, stay with Denver. How about that? And then how about you worry about beating out Joe Flacco, please, before you keep talking about the Chiefs? Okay, I get it. You're a hometown kid. You want to play for the Chiefs. It ain't happening. Okay, you're not even that good. Like, I don't understand how people could watch him at Missouri and think he's a very, very good NFL talent and think that he should have gone round one. That's why I really like this pick at round two, because they didn't value him in round one, because he's not a round one talent. Well, Drew Locke. I mean, I'm sick of all these interviews with him and his dad (laughs) talking about the Chiefs. I mean, you're with the Broncos now, buddy. So how about you just stay over there in Denver? I don't know about anyone else. I might be the only one who got upset about this. I just don't I just don't care about Drew Locke. I mean, I don't care that you want to play for the Chiefs. I don't care that your dad is best friends with Andy Reid. I don't care. Okay? Stay in Denver. I don't I don't want to hear from you anymore. And whenever you come into Arrowhead, you're not going to get cheered. Whenever you come into Arrowhead, Patrick Mahomes is going to put 55 points in your defense and you're going to be lucky to score 10. Okay? The Chiefs are going to own the Broncos just like they have in recent vintage. This isn't some sort of chip on Drew Locke's shoulder. He isn't this great quarterback. I'd be surprised if he ever pans out into a quality NFL quarterback. He's going to be better than Paxton Lynch. I'm not sure if it's going to be more than that. I'm sick of this Drew Locke character. Get out of here, Drew Locke. You are pretty harsh on Drew Locke. I think there's some redeeming qualities. He's got some good arm talent. His biggest issue is that he just throws off balance for no reason. He tries to be Patrick Mahomes. That's a pretty big issue. Yeah, he tries to be Patrick Mahomes when he's a... Um, like if let's say, hmm, if there was some quarterback, there's some quarterback out there that is like a structured quarterback that needs to have structure, but tries to do stuff and then it's way out of whack. I'm trying to think of a good example, like Joe Flacco. Let's say if Joe Flacco (laughs) in his prime, 
Um, in his prime, if he's throwing off balance, it's not good. It's never a good throw if Joe Flacco's throwing off balance. But that's precisely what Drew Locke does, and it's always it. And that's the biggest knock on him. I think that he has some redeeming qualities. Like I said, he's got a strong arm. He's decently accurate when he stands flat-footed and doesn't do anything dumb with his feet. Um, he's not as bad as you say. Um, but, yeah, he's not going to be a chief. He can pout all he wants. He can be in, he can be in Denver, and we can just all um, hate him collectively as a Chiefs fan base. So, um how do you think Denver fans feel about this, though? Because he keeps calling them the enemy, saying he grew up rooting against them. How about you just say, hey, I'm a Bronco now. I don't care about the Chiefs anymore. How about you just say that, Drew Locke? Okay? I'm sick of this guy. I'm sick of <laughs> Drew Locke. This whole weekend has been about Drew Locke wanting to play in Kansas City when he got drafted by the, the hated rival Denver Broncos. Stay over there. You're not better than Patrick Mahomes. You're never going to be better than Patrick Mahomes. You can try to be Patrick Mahomes. You're never going to have as cool a hair as Patrick Mahomes. You're never going to have as cool of, of an arm as Patrick Mahomes. You're never going to have as many wins as Patrick Mahomes. Stay in Denver and try to beat out Joe Flacco, please. Yeah. No, sick of this guy. I, I understand Drew it. Locke. I understand it. But I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say I hate their their draft. Uh, I I like the Dalton. Oh, I love their Dalton draft. Risner actually, I was just... a good pick out of Kansas State. Uh, Noah Fant was one of my guys. I wouldn't have taken him at 20. Uh, he was more of that 30 range where the Chiefs were originally going to be picking. I thought he would be a good addition. Um, so they might have reached for Fant, but he makes some sense. Uh, they need some playmakers. See, even that, I, I thought that they, they took their guy when they had the opportunity to because, sure, if you trade back, he might be coming a little bit more valuable, but he also might, you know, get get selected. Yeah. I even like that pick. I literally liked all their pick, including Drew Locke, because, again, they didn't take him in round one. They took him around two. Yeah. He's a round two talent, a round three talent even. He was never a round one talent, in my opinion, watching him his entire career. No, I think he was a round two but talent. But just the... Yeah, he was a round two talent. Uh, you know, he was nowhere close to a round one talent, in my opinion. Just the the interviews he gave were so cringeworthy and annoying. <laughs> it was just, just stop it, just stop it. You got to, you get to play in the NFL. You got drafted into the NFL, and it's not with the Chiefs. Enjoy it. Stop talking about the Chiefs. It's over. I love this draft. I love you. I love even that draft pick. I cannot stress that enough. I do not hate Drew Locke as a person or even a player. It's just his recent interviews this weekend and his dad's interviews this weekend. Give it a rest. Just enjoy Denver. Could you imagine if the Chiefs drafted a Colorado quarterback and he kept saying the entire weekend, well, I really hated the Chiefs growing up. I wish I was a Bronco, but you know what? I guess I'm here, but I really, really wanted to be a Bronco. How would that go over in Kansas City? As a future hopeful face of the franchise, knowing Chiefs Twitter, Just it would have it, it, it would burn Denver. to the ground. It would burn to the ground. It would burn to the ground. But that's Chiefs Twitter. We got to move on because we're like already almost an hour in. So let's let's you can you can talk about Drew Locke later and how much you hate <laughs> Drew Locke because that's exactly what you said. But uh, yeah, this this podcast has turned into just me hating Drew Locke when I don't even hate him. I just don't appreciate his antics in the press conference. <laughs> okay, well you can talk about that all off season, but we got to keep going. <laughs> so the the Raiders raided really hard, um, and they took God Cl- the Farrell uh, with the fourth overall pick, uh, a guy that I had as you know in the twenties. I actually had him mocked to the Raiders, except like at pick twenty-seven. So 
I thought it was a bit of a reach. He's a solid player. Obviously, they liked him. I also had Josh Jacobs several times mocked to the Raiders. So, like, these are it's they're raidering so hard that it's becoming predictable. Uh, I got both of those correct at one point in time. Um, and then the other one is Jonathan Abram, who was a third-round grade to me. Uh, they got in the first round. Um, Trayvon Mullen's an interesting pick. Foster Moreau's a decent pick. Um, I'm not a huge Hunter Renfro or Isaiah Johnson uh, fan. So I'm mixed on their draft. I liked a couple picks, um, but I thought they could have got much better value um, at pick four than Cleland Farrell. So kind of sum up how bad this Raiders draft is. They had three first-round picks. And I like one pick in their entire draft class, and it was still overvalued in running back Josh Jacobs. I really like Josh Jacobs, but I'm just not in the camp of taking your running back in the first round. Yeah. I think you could have gotten him on day two at pick you know, eight of the second round. And then Hunter Renfro, I mean, that pick was... It's just redundant to have him on your roster because I believe I can check to confirm this, but I believe they still have Ryan Switzer unless they trade him as well. He's bounced around the league so much. He started out in Dallas, and I I do not know. I, I know he's know with the Raiders. Yeah, I mean, but but if they still have him on the on the on the team, that's totally redundant. And even so, I still don't like the pick of Hunter Renfro. He put up a lot of great numbers, but also played with 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 Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence. I mean, obviously in college. You're going to put up a lot of great numbers. I I think he has a chance to be a quality slot guy, a chance, uh, but, you know, we'll see. They also have Ryan Grant, who I love in the slot. So, I mean, their slot receivers, Marcel, a- uh, Marcel Aitman, excuse me, from Oklahoma State, I mean, their slot receivers are pretty well set. That entire receiver receiving group, receiving room, is pretty well set. Also, uh, Ryan Swisser's not on the, the Raiders anymore. Uh, but, but, anyway. All right. That just didn't make sense to me to, to to take a wide receiver there because, like I said, your position group at wide receiver is pretty well set. Now, it was a fifth-round pick. You know, you can't really get too upset about a fifth-round pick, but I just think that they could have gotten way more value than that. And again, in their entire draft of three first-round picks, I liked one guy, and they overvalued him, and that was Josh Jacobs. I, I mean, I like Clellan Terrell. He's just – it was too early, but – yeah, no, I like. Not, I don't like him at four. Yeah, I, I like, I like Farrell, but not at four. I mean, think of who they could have had at four. That, that's crazy to me that they took him at four. Yeah, they uh, took him. I would have liked over Josh much, Allen, uh, who I thought was the best yeah. edge guy other than Nick Bosa. So, um, yeah. So, wrap. We should wrap up the AFC West draft stuff. Um, uh, the the Chargers. Um, really nailed the draft like they always seem to um i don't even know i i've only looked at their like i'm i'm scrolling now to see who they picked but yeah i I, my favorite pick of theirs is easton stick i think that he can develop a fifth round quarterback from north dakota state i think he can develop into the heir to the throne of philip rivers you know if rivers of course will take him under his wing etc but I think he can develop into something that's really, really good. I, I do not think this is just a waste of a pick on a on a career backup. I think he could develop into a starter in this see, league. See, I don't even think you need to look at their late-round picks. All you have to see is they drafted Jerry Tillery at 28, and then they drafted uh, Nasir Adderley at 60. That is incredible. That is two first-round... Yeah, their top two is really good. But They, they yeah, had two first-round really guys for me uh, and back-to-back picks. Um and 
I, I think that just that in and of itself, two guys that are, I'm sure that Tillery is going to start right away, and I'm sure that Adderley is going to start right away. And so if you can have that kind of impact in, from the draft in the first two picks, that's that's an incredible, incredible draft. So, um, yeah, I love their draft. Pretty good. I don't know how good Easton Stick is. Uh, he's athletic. I know that. That's about it. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. And then going around the NFL, before we get into your questions and finally get out of here, another over-hour-long podcast. Don't you love it? The first being that DJ Metcalf, of course, fell to the bottom of the second round to the Seahawks. He had a a real tearjerker, you know, emotion video whenever he, he got the call finally. You know, a guy who expected to be in the first round. I think everyone expected him to be in the first round. And he fell to the bottom of the second round. Uh, I'm happy for him. You know, there's there's questions about his route running, etc. But pretty good pick. I think. What do you think about DJ Metcalf? It was a steal um, for the Seahawks. A guy that has vertical speed with um, with Russell Wilson just running around and looking for a guy. That is incredible value. Uh, DK Metcalf is so fast and so big. He can be a safety blanket. Um, he can go up and get passes that that are overthrown. I mean, honestly, the. The Seahawks, there is no better fit than the Seahawks, and I just can't believe he was still there uh, at the bottom of the second. I think he's going to be the best uh, receiver in this draft. I thought that before the process. We'll have to wait and see. Obviously, the NFL didn't agree with uh, me and a lot of the other internet scouts. <laughs> so, Blogger boys. Yeah, we're those people. So that's pretty much it on that. And then the second storyline of the draft was Josh Rosen trading to the Dolphins, and I love this move. I think that there's an attack on Josh Rosen because he's bigger than football. He's not one of these guys who whose life revolves around being good at football and staying in the NFL. He he wants to be good in the NFL. He wants to be a quality quarterback. He doesn't need to be. His Like I said, he's not fighting tooth and nail day in and day out to just survive in the NFL. If the NFL doesn't work out, he can do a ton of other things. And I think that that's intimidating and, and, and nerve-wracking for a front office who's putting their life on the line, you know, in their livelihood, I should say, not their life, their livelihood on the line whenever they take shots like drafting him in the top 10 or trading for him. Now, this trade for the Dolphins, I think, is no risk. It's no risk, um, high reward, because worst case scenario, Josh Rosen doesn't pan out, and you draft uh, Tua next year. Yeah. The best case scenario, he does work out, and you have your franchise quarterback. Yeah. And you did all this for trading second-round picks and then giving up an extra fifth-round pick. I mean, I don't know. Josh Rosen wasn't my favorite quarterback coming out of college. Everybody said, well, he's the most pro-ready quarterback. I never agreed with that sentiment. Um, But for a team like the Dolphins that are in rebuild mode and um, Ryan Fitzpatrick is your starter (laughs) without Josh Rosen on the roster, uh, it makes a ton of sense. He's a guy that could develop into something. Um, I'm not. I'm. Ne- I've never been a huge Rosen guy, uh, but I can understand why there was value in that move. Yeah, I mean, if Rosen doesn't pan out, then they're going to be in line to get from to uh, Herbert. I mean, next year's draft class is pretty good at quarterback. So I mean, literally, this move is for fifth round pick because you don't you don't get your second round pick this year. They send you one for next year, and you get a fifth round pick on the back on on you on this year. So. You know, I, I I was never too high on Rosen either, but for a team that needs a quarterback and needs to find some answer to quarterback since Dan Marino, it's worth a shot, I think. So I like this move for the Dolphins. No risk, high reward. 
Kyler Murray, of course, went number one to the Cardinals. We all kind of expected that uh, for the past month or so, I'd say. They had a really good draft with Isabella, Butler, and, and their other guys that they brought in, and especially Kyler Murray. I think that you know Kyler Murray is going to be fun to watch. He even plays Baker Mayfield this year, which is going to be just awesome in the Sooner State, at least, to see Mayfield versus Murray. And for NFL fans everywhere and for football fans everywhere, I think that'll be a lot of fun. I think that they, again, had a very, very, very good draft in Arizona. They had a good draft, um, but I will say Kyler Murray could be the answer, but it's going to be a process. Uh, They've got a lot of work to do all over the field, and uh, Cliff Kinsbury is their coach, so not sure how how he's going to do after failing up. Uh, (laughs) uh, He definitely failed up. He got fired from Texas Tech and then got hired by the Cardinals. Um, So... I don't know. I'm not convinced Arizona is going to be great, but I like their draft on the surface. So we'll we'll have to wait and see what they're what they're like in a couple of years. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny to think about it that way. It's funny to think about you know Cliff Kingsbury and him, as you said, failing up because he you know of course like flamed out at Texas Tech and now all of a sudden is is in the NFL. But Kyler Murray's a guy who he tried to recruit you know, from Allen High School to to go to Texas Tech. He couldn't do it. He couldn't land them. I mean, in the NFL, you can you can get your guys in your system without them being able to say no or, or go somewhere better uh, in the sense of a draft. Now, obviously, free agency is a different story. But I think with his guys that he gets in place that can run his system effectively, that he will, you know, be able to succeed. But he might not. It's, it's the fun of the NFL. You never really know. I'm not ready to say that he's going to fail. I don't think you are either. But it is funny to just look at it, you know, uh, from from a couple feet away, saying, "Wow, he got fired at Texas Tech, flamed out there, and now he's in the NFL." That's a pretty interesting story, and it could be even more interesting if he does pan out. Yeah. The funniest moment from the draft in the first round was by far the Chiefs. Oh, excuse me, the Chiefs. Oh my God, the the Giants selecting Daniel Jones. It would be so much less funny if it was the Chiefs. It would have been so much less. Funny. It would hurt really bad. You ruined it. You ruined everything. I did. I'm just going to go home. Let's just stop the podcast now and forget the rest of the show. <laughs> no, I'm already home, but I'm going to go even further home. I've been watching. Uh, I've been watching the reaction videos of fans watching the draft and the Giants. T- Giants fans reacting to the Daniel Jones pick. Sometime YouTube that if you haven't. It is funny. Look at the MetLife um, Stadium video where there's a collective sound of like the entire stadium losing its air. Like it just a, oh, like just oh man, uh, it it was really funny to watch. Um, but I, that being said, Daniel Jones was a third to fourth round grade for me, uh, so not obviously my guy, but um, I understand why they took him. Uh, the, I don't I don't think there's any way that any other team was going to take Daniel Jones before they picked again, uh, which is which is what Gettleman's putting out there, which is I think a load of malarkey uh but i i understand going up that's a kind way to put it yeah i i understand your i understand you going up and getting your guy but don't make this like some kind of thing where you're like oh we were nervous about somebody else taking him you weren't you just liked him so you took him uh i'm not a fan of the pick and um it's kind of sad to see a, a, a tortured fan base become more tortured um, but at the oh, same it's not sad at all when it's in the New York market. Yeah. I mean, seriously, they won a couple of Super Bowls. They got lucky. A ball got stuck in a face mask, and they won a Super Bowl. Give me a break. They're not tortured. 
tortured fan base. Literally, the Ch- the Chiefs would never get that kind of luck to just have no, a no, ball no. get stuck in someone's face mask I, and win a Super Bowl. I misspoke. Ball. I didn't mean that they're they are a tortured <laughs> fan base. I meant like they are in the process of becoming yeah. a tortured fan base, and it's sad to see it progress so fast. Like Odell Beckham shipped off, Daniel Jones brought in. Like if that that is the the saddest reality in the NFL. So yeah. That's all I got to say on that. And then just one more thing on the draft before we move on to our questions and finally conclude this episode. The best draft in the NFC East, and I think maybe even in the NFL, was the Washington Redskins, which is incredibly funny to say. If you follow the Redskins' history, they're awful at this whole football building thing, especially in the last 20, 25 years. They drafted Dwayne Haskins, who I'm not in love with, but at 15, I mean, pretty, you know, at 15 in a quarterback needy team, if you like Dwayne Haskins, go ahead. You know, they didn't trade up for him. They didn't give up anything besides this draft pick for him. Again, I wouldn't have because I don't really like Haskins that much, and I just don't think that Gruden does either. I don't think that they're going to really give him the, the, the tools necessary to grow, but they did it. Daniel Snyder loves him, which should tell you a lot because Daniel Snyder's pretty much always wrong about everything. Uh, so, you know, I still like that pick, though, because, again, it's a guy that the front office wanted, and they didn't trade up for him, and they got him in a pretty valuable spot. And then they traded back into the first round and got Montez Sweat, who I think you really like from the edge, yep. the edge rusher from Mississippi State. Yep. Uh, this entire draft, I think that was those were two very good picks. This entire draft was full of just great picks, and that's something again you cannot say about the Redskins in recent history. The only questionable pick I have is Bryce Love, who's a very talented running back but has a ton of injury uh, issues. If you're going to draft a running back who has injury who has injury issues, I would have preferred it to be Rodney Anderson, who I think is much better than Bryce Love. And when you have Adrian Peterson, who's old, and you have Chris Thompson, who's injury-prone, injury prone, and when you have Darius Geis, who's coming off of his, an injury of his own, I don't think you can take the risk in the fourth round of taking another injury-prone running back. But... Again, he's a talented player, and so if he stays healthy, that'll be a very good pick in the fourth round. So this entire draft class, I think, was one of the most solid, well-rounded picks, you know, one of the most solid, well-rounded drafts in the NFL. Yeah, I uh, I agree. I liked uh, Dwayne Haskins. Um, he's a guy, he's an up-and-comer. Uh, if he has the chance to develop, he will be a decent NFL quarterback. Um, I Bryce Love is puzzling, but at one time he was a guy that was considered a um, first or second round pick um, before he went down with injury. So um, I can see the upside there. Um, Montez Sweat is another guy. I He was one of the guys that I thought that if Brett Veach was going to trade up, he'd go get him. Uh, obviously, he fell far enough to go to Kansas City. But, um, yeah, no, I, I, I thought their draft was very good. And now we're going to end the show with questions from you guys on Twitter again. Uh, well, for the first time in the show, actually, wow, we've made it an hour and 15 minutes before we gave our Twitter handles. First off for the show, you can tweet us at Arrowhead. Excuse me, not that. Do not do that. At Attic underscore podcast. Uh, for me, you can tweet me at Ryland underscore Stiles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. And for Grant, you can tweet him at Grant T-M-N Tuttle. The first question on the docket is from Keith at Keith Macklin 78. What up, Keith? How many draftees and undrafted free agents will make the fifty man, fifty three man roster? Uh, I'm gonna go. 
I don't know. That's that's a tough one. I'm gonna say that. Oh, I'm gonna say everyone besides Fenton makes it from the draft class. I just I really just don't like Fenton at all. But I, th- I think it's gonna be hard to cut him though, so maybe he does make it. So I'm gonna say the actually I'm gonna say the entire draft class makes it. I'm gonna say Mark Fields makes it, and Gary Johnson makes it. So there you go, the entire draft class, and then two undrafted free agents in Mark Fields and Gary Johnson. What about you, Grant? Uh, I'm gonna say like obvious. I'm gonna actually go ahead and say everybody that they drafted will make it. Um, the the thing that was interesting was Brett Veach actually said Nick Allegretti was going to have a chance to compete for the starting center role, which was actually not what I was expecting. Um, so obviously <laughs> there's a bigger role for him than I had realized. Um, but, yeah, to answer Keith's question, um, yeah, I think that they'll keep everybody that they drafted, even Fenton, because obviously they like something to take him over Darwin Thompson, uh, who was a guy they obviously wanted. Um, so they saw something in him. So I think that they'll they'll keep all their draft picks, uh, undrafted free agents. I'm not going to say names because you just never know. Um, I, I would say Mark Fields is the only guy that I would I would say is a for sure guy that I think will make it. But I'm going to say there's going to be mm-hmm. three other dudes, three other undrafted free agents that emerge in training camp and earn a spot. Yeah, I mean, there's your answer, Keith. I hope that we're right, but we probably won't be. So this next question comes from Travis at Stefan NFL. Are you as happy as I am that the Chiefs did not draft Jalen Ferguson? <laughs> yes. I assume yes. that. Yes. <laughs> I assume that you're extremely excited that they did not draft Ferguson. <laughs> I wouldn't have liked that pick. I can tell by Grant's laughter he wouldn't either. <sighs> Anything to add to that, Grant? Uh, Jalen Ferguson went to Seattle, I believe. And it was like, oh, that's so sad that he actually got drafted uh, that early. I think he got taken in the third round. He's a like fourth or fifth round guy for me. So, um, yeah, not my guy. (laughs) For a second, I thought you were going to say he got drafted. Period. I was like, well, there's seven rounds, so (laughs) I think that I think that he was going to get drafted. Yeah, no, I thought maybe fourth, fifth, maybe even sliding. Also, he got drafted by the Ravens. Oh, it was the Ravens. Okay, okay. But still, kind of funny. Not my guy. Yeah, Travis and I have actually discussed that. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that uh, he's celebrating like I am. We both threatened to burn Arrowhead to the ground if they drafted him in the first round. So, uh, <laughs> then you'd be in jail. Who would I do this podcast with if you're in jail for burning <laughs> Arrowhead down? Uh, I'm not incriminating myself. If anything happens, it's not me. But, okay, <laughs> moving on to the next question from Drew. Good old Drew. He works at Arrowhead Addict. Um, are you as hyped as I am for Juan Thornhill? Yeah. Uh, wait, if you want to at Drew, it's at dbrooks5884. You better get in touch with Drew. But, yeah, Drew, I am pretty pumped about Juan Thornhill. I think he's going to be a starter day one. I think he's going to be a ball hawk. He's a guy that I'm excited to uh, see line up with Honey Badger. So, yeah, that's what I got on that. Ryland? Pretty excited. Pretty excited for Juan Thornhill. And I'm excited to watch him this training camp and preseason and regular season because I think that you're right in the fact that he could be a starter. This one's also from Drew at dbrooks5884. Is the draft being hosted in Kansas City feasible? Yes. I think that it absolutely will be hosted in Kansas City eventually. Uh, Clark Hunt and Roger have a pretty good relationship. 
Uh, and the, the Kansas City market loves the NFL, and it loves the NFL draft, and it loves everything to do with the Chiefs. So I think that they would support it. Uh, it couldn't. I don't think it could be in power and light. I think that's a little bit too small. Uh, obviously, I don't think it could be on the plaza, really. I think that it would really be, you know, in Union Station, you know, outside, you know, right, right where the Royals had their parade and everything. Uh, I think that, that, that that'd be a really good place for it. You know, get some Kansas City barbecue, uh, a nice place for fans to come, you know, just in Central America. I don't see why not. I mean, the, the, the Cowboys had it at their practice facility, which, of course, is pretty much like a, an NFL stadium. But still, I mean, I think it's very feasible, and I think that it would do great numbers. I think that, you know, by percentage, obviously they're not going to have the, the, the most in terms of population, but by percentage, I think it would have a great turnout, yeah. uh, one of the best. So I would love to see it in Kansas City, and I think that we will one day. Well, people, people uh, obviously, next year is in Vegas. The, the whole thing is that people are saying that Kansas City is too crowded for um, them to host a draft. And I don't agree. I think that where, where there's a will, there's a way in the NFL. Uh, you can figure things out. Uh, you have enough money to make things happen. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I definitely agree uh, if that answers your question, Drew. Yeah. It's, 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 in fact, I'll say this. It's going to be in Kansas City. Obviously not next year. It's going to be in Vegas. But eventually we'll see it in Kansas City without question. And then number five from Mike, from Mike, excuse me, at just trying tall V instead of something, <laughs> at just trying T A L I V. Just trying to live. Is it possible that it. the just trying to live? Gotcha. That's no E on there, bud. Ah, Come on now, it's probably good. too too many it's characters. I understand you. I understand Twitter. You know they they don't give you enough characters for anything. Just trying to live. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, well, he's living all right because he's asking us questions. Is it possible that the Chiefs are becoming a defensive-focused team while having an MVP quarterback? Uh, Go ahead, Greg. I, I like that idea. It would be fun if we just had uh. a shutdown defense, uh, but I don't think that's the way that it's going at this moment in time. When you have Patrick Mahomes and your head coach is an offensive-minded uh, head coach, it's kind of hard to become a defensive-focused team. Although I do like their additions to the defensive staff. I just don't think that it's going to go uh, polar opposite from last season. Yeah, I don't think that they're going to make it a focus. I think they're going to make it a part, though, because as we saw last year, the talent discrepancy was clear as day. And there's always going to be some of that. You're never really going to be perfect on each side, you know, perfectly even on each side. But last year was just atrocious how much better the offense was than the defense. They're obviously paying more attention to the defense, but I wouldn't even want them to be a defensive-focused team. That's not playing to your strengths. Add The additions they made this year have been great, especially at defensive coordinator. Let him handle the defense. Let Andy Reid handle the offense. But do not focus on defense. If you're going to choose one side to focus on, focus on the offense. Because look at Aaron Rodgers. While he's amazing, the, the, the Broncos, the Packers haven't gotten him help. And he still finds a way, but imagine if they did support him and did give him a supporting cast, how much better that they could be. So I never want the Chiefs to fall into this hole of what I've been saying for the past month. It's Patrick Mahomes. It's Andy Reid. They'll find a way. They probably will. It'd be a lot easier, though, if they had a ton of talent around them uh, to make this thing go. Obviously, do not neglect the defense, as it seems like they did last year, because, again, that defense was almost historically bad. But... Don't then overcorrect and become this Jaguars defense and then just have only Patrick Mahomes. 
still probably be enough to win a Super Bowl, though, because Mahomes is great and that Jaguar, Jaguar defense is great. So they, I don't think they can go wrong in either, in either standpoint, but I'd much rather than see Mahomes get help instead of just negating him for the rest of his career after his rookie year when he had all these weapons. Uh, this one from Brandon at Brandon422. What nickname are we giving Frank Clark? I feel like Frank the Tank is too easy. What do you think? Did you answer the the Mahomes thing, the MVP thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I gave my little short, okay. my little short spiel. Um, Brandon, I am not a nickname person. Um, uh, Frank the Tank sounds. You know, I don't think we've called anyone a nickname on this podcast. That's sad. We need to get some nicknames going. I'm not a nickname guy. I think you got to earn the nickname. Brando, like Brando at Brandon four two two. Brando, listen. We're, we're not calling him Frank the Tank. A little bit too easy. No, I like that one. That's a good one. That's the only one that I could come up with. I'm not creative enough. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going Frank the Tank just because that's my nickname and nobody else can take it. So when he does become Frank the Tank, uh, I deserve credit. <laughs> it's documented on this podcast that the one hour, 24 minute mark, which no one will survive to. This is going to be lost in the deep, dark podcasting sphere. I'm going to go Frankie. Just call him Frankie. Frank the Tank and Frankie. That's going to be our podcast nickname for him. If he ever uh, is recognized by one of those names, it'll be our doing for sure. You cannot tell me otherwise. Lastly, we have a slew of questions from Thomas. Friend of the show, Arrowhead Tom. If the Chiefs had not... If the Chiefs have not drafted for Clark... Excuse me. I, I messed that all up. If the Chiefs had not traded for Clark, who should they have taken at 29? I'm going to say Byron Murphy. What about you? Uh, I would say either Byron Murphy or Montez Sweat, um, depending on where you thought the board would fall. Uh, I think that probably Byron Murphy would have shored up your corners. Well, Sweat went 26. What? But Sweat went 26. I thought we were going to trade trade it up, dude. I would have traded it up. I would have done it. Okay. Okay. I can't fault you there. Uh, Yeah, Byron Murphy for me. Also, Thomas, your next question. Or DeAndre Baker, but, you know, whatever. What? What? Or DeAndre Baker, but, you know, Uh, whatever. No, no, that's not my guy. Not, (laughs) hashtag not my guy. Uh, David Gettleman likes DeAndre Baker, so I'm I'm now off the Baker bandwagon. you're probably wrong. If if he likes him, you're probably wrong. (laughs) But, okay, Thomas. Uh, What am I ever right? That's the real question. Thomas also asked favorite 2020 prospects. I don't know, Thomas. I'm taking a little nap. I'm taking. No, I do know Thomas. <laughs> Go ahead. I I am taking a nap for a week before I look at 2020 prospects. Uh, I know it's going to be. That sounds wonderful. Just take a nap for an entire. I week. know, right? But yeah, no. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not looking at this moment in time. But if okay, then I'll answer for the podcast as a collective group. This is what we think. We're a group thinking podcast from now on. Mob rule. C.D. Lamb. Bring me C.D. Lamb to Mahomes and Arrowhead land, and I will be so happy if the Chiefs get OU wide receiver C.D. Lamb. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Just thinking about that makes me so happy. Okay. I mean, I don't I don't know anything about him. I haven't watched any tape. Uh, like I said, taking a break. He's a monster. That's all you need to know. Yep. Uh, I know. I, I I'm... Think of all the branding you can do with him. Like, you can make CDs for C.D. Get it? CD. Okay, next CD question. <laughs> uh, uh, Thomas said, on a scale from 1 to 10, how glad are you that are, are we that the Chiefs did not take Jerry Tillery? Um, Thomas, 
Negative 16. Thomas did this to be rude. Uh, this was. I'm not going to answer. I'm going to play uh, neutral because this is um, preposterous and mean. Um, but no, I'm sticking up for you, Grant. I've got to. I've got to show the teammate support. I've got to. I've got to be a good player right here. Good, good team player. Yeah. Our official answer is negative 16. Yeah. Exactly. Negative 16. Take that, Thomas. Um, but yeah, negative 16. Not not negative 17. 16. Not negative 15. Negative 16. Yep. Um, Dang it, I should have done 15 for Mahomes. We really got to get out of here. It is. We've been recording for an hour and 27 <laughs> minutes. We got we to gotta get done here. Time flies when you're having fun, and at this point, even my mom isn't listening anymore, so it's been fun. It's been really fun. Thank you to everyone who asked questions, from Arrowhead Tom to Brandon, Mike, Drew, Travis, and Keith. It's been a very, very, very fun episode that started out with a bad cloud, which we'll discuss more next week, sadly, as the new report comes out in a couple hours. Again, read arrowheadaddict.com, the best website for Chiefs fans, for Chiefs news, and for Chiefs opinions. Grant needs to get followed on Twitter, at GrantTMNTuttle. I need to be followed on Twitter, at Rylan underscore Styles. And the podcast needs to be covered, followed on Twitter, at Attic underscore Podcast. Ask us your questions for next week's show. Talk to us about Tyreek Kill. Talk to us about the draft. Grant... Any final words? Uh, if you stuck out this long, um, treat yourself because you're incredible that you lasted an hour and a half of us blabbering about chief stuff. It's a good Parks and Rec reference. I like that. Our, our bond is growing stronger as each podcast goes by. Oh, God, I hope not. If you stuck out this long, what are you waiting for? Just like it, subscribe, and review the podcast. You just have to do it. You literally listen to... Two millennials talk about the Chiefs for an hour and 29 minutes. Just like the podcast. You know you do. You suck it out this long. Subscribe to the podcast so that we never miss an episode. Review the podcast. You can even tell us that we suck. Just review it. Okay? Send us all your hate mail. Do whatever you want to do, but preferably tell us that you love us because we are amazing. We are the best Chiefs podcast. The fastest growing Chiefs podcast in podcast land. For Grant Tuttle. I'm Ryland Styles. Be good and be good to one another. This has been the Arrowhead Out Podcast on the Fan Sided Podcasting Network. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo Fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.